What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Pre-Professional Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Kraft, along with host Colton Watchering. Today on the podcast, we have Jordan Bush. Now, Jordan is a personal trainer for high-level athletes. He works with NFL athletes, Olympic athletes, and people trying to make it to the next level. In this episode, we talk about what Jordan does to make these athletes be able to perform at such a high level on and off the field. When we're talking, he drops some knowledge, so definitely tune into this episode, really lock in. He's got a lot of things that might help you revolutionize the way you train, not only athletes, but as well as your everyday general population clients. Without further ado, Jordan Bush. Okay. Uh, My name is Jordan Bush. I'm originally from Jackson, Mississippi. Been in the strength and conditioning slash performance industry. This is actually year seven for me starting the new year. So been doing it a while. Went to the under, I went, got my undergraduate uh, degree from the University of Southern Mississippi, uh, majoring in exercise science. My emphasis was in human performance. Um, so just always been interested in the body and how the body works. Um, was a former athlete. Um, just always wanted to stay around sports in some capacity. Once my playing days were over, um, never wanted to be like an on-field position coach or anything like that. You know, I love the game of football and play baseball. That's what I played growing up. Um, but always been into like training and, you know, weight training and how it translates. Just the, the bond that, you know, guys create in the weight room. Just seeing guys get, quote unquote, bigger, faster and stronger over the years was always something that, that sparked my interest, man. And I... um Kind of got my start during during college. I interned um, while I was still in undergrad and, and fell in love with the weight room and the rest is history. I love it, dude. And so if you follow Jordan on, on Instagram or if you even have come across his page, um, you'll see that you follow, you work with some really big name dudes. Um, yeah, one to mention I, is, I, is Leonard Fournette. I, I always see him pop up on your page. And he's like, <laughs> geez, this dude works with this guy. Come on. Yeah, man, it's 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 definitely um, something that I would say happened really, really fast. Um, just blessed to be in a position um, where I'm able to, you know, be a service to these guys and what they do as far as their professional careers. You know, keeping them healthy on the on the floor, whether that be you know the basketball court, the football field, the track. Um, baseball diamond, whatever it is, I'm just just blessed to be able to to work with these these high level athletes and do what I do. So, what is it like having these high level athletes, right? So, for me, mm-hmm. when I think of Leonard Fournette, I think of a guy that I um, was trying to make a pretty hefty trade with in fantasy football this year. <laughs> and you you look yeah. at him as a client and a friend and somebody that you coach, yeah. and you coach these other high level dudes, and you're kind of living a a dream that a lot of trainers have. Um, so Absolutely. What, what is that like to you? Is that just like, um, you know, like another day at work or do you go in every day and you're like, man, I get to do this. Uh, both, both. Um, you have to kind of, for me, I've always had that balance, you know, right. Just understanding that at the end of the day, these guys are human. You know, these guys and girls are human just like me. They wake up, they have feelings, they have to eat, et cetera, et cetera. Just like me. They just come with a really, really expensive price tag of, along with their name, you know, and their body is how they, their body is essentially how they make money, keeping them, he- keeping them healthy. Um, so as much fun as it is, I think it's also bigger, if not just as big, if not bigger responsibility, 
right? Working with, with these guys and girls, just making sure that, you know, at the end of the day, obviously they're, they've been blessed with tremendous, tremendous God-given ability, you know, natural talent and, and just like I said, God-given ability. But it's also, you know, they, they trust me, you know, my, my, my other coaches that, we, that I work with to, to keep them healthy and deliver uh, not only a product, but also a service to them. You know, I, um, I try to understand that, you know, these guys and girls, like I said, because I work with both male and female athletes, um, they're, they're human, you know, and people ask me all the time, oh, how is it working with, you know, this person, this person? I'm literally like, look, it was another day at the office. You know, it's another day at work. But like I said, I am definitely, definitely blessed to be in the position I am to work with so many high-level athletes. Um, it's it's so fun. Like I like I was telling somebody this morning, like I'm gonna watch the Super Bowl, of course, but I'm not only watching it as a fan, but also we have guys on both teams that I've worked with for off season, pre draft, you know, combine, whatever. I'm like, I'll watch the games as like a it's like a whole different view viewing experience for me because I'm, you know, watching praying none of these guys get hurt or none of these guys you know have any injuries but i'm also excited to see them perform at the highest level so it's definitely an experience like i said i can't really put into words you know that feeling when you get the chance to watch somebody you've worked with score a touchdown or come in first place in a 60 meter run or it's just it's it's an experience like no other and so when you're working with these guys i assume that there's some level of like nervousness like, I mean, you have to treat these people like they're gold. I mean, you can't hurt them. You, and, and when you're doing exercise selection and trying to create this workout plan for them, how do you kind of structure that to make sure, like, oh, my gosh, I got to make sure these guys stay healthy because this is just right. one part of their journey into being their million-dollar self for that team that they play for? Absolutely. Um. So for me, when it comes to exercise selection, it's really simple. It's what do you actually need, right? So – for example, like I have a, you know, 100 meter world class Olympian sprinter, Alicia Johnson, right? She's a sprinter, right? She sprints fast. She runs fast. She jumps over hurdles fast. I have no reason for her to run a five mile, you know? Mm-hmm. So it, it literally just comes down to what do the athletes need? Football. Is all about you know who can produce the most the most power or most or more force, the longest, right? So for football, it's really really, what do you guys need? What does the game consist of? What is you know if you're running a fast paced offense, of course we have to get you in shape for that, but it's basically based around, you know I'm not gonna say sports specific, but you have to kind of take your mind to that place, and think like what does the sport actually consist of are you doing short sprints are you running long endurance run like what do you need and i can kind of base your training program or actually your your program in general based off of what the sport consists of and so with these guys that are so high level um have mm-hmm. you ever run into like the situation where you're like these guys are already so good what can i do to make them buy in and believe that i can make them even better Absolutely. Um, I think the main thing that I always try to let them know is I'm just a resource, right? Like, 
you're blessed with talent, you would be the same person you are now had you never met me, right? But my job is to be of service to you also, but also just to be a resource. So how can we turn a five-year career into a seven-year career? Or how can we turn a, you know, I was right on the edge of making the Pro Bowl this year into a Pro Bowl season, right? So I think just having them understand, like, look, what are your goals? Because, like I said all the time, we joke around. I say, I'll never play football again. I'll never put on the helmet forever, you know. But I know this is what you do. How can I help maximize everything that you're doing? And like you said, get the guys to to buy in. So how do I do that? I like to create an atmosphere where guys are going to be excited to come. Like, as much as people think athletes – most athletes, I'll say, don't like to train, right? So why would I have them come in and it's like, uh, I know we're going to run a lot today, or et cetera, et cetera. No, when you come in, the music's going to be loud. We're going to have a competitive atmosphere. We're going to push each other. I'm going to make you uncomfortable now. So by the time you get to your team or during the season or whatever, week 17, 18, you're like, okay, I've been in uncomfortable situations before in my training. Now the game is easy. Um, so just keeping guys, I, I like to keep them on their toes. Like we call it like poking the bear, like, okay, who can I poke today? Because I know if I poke him, it's going to affect five of the guys, but that's going to make all five of them work harder than they normally would. Um, so just keeping it fun for them, because like I said, the off season, these guys want to, you know, they, they played sometimes 20 weeks straight or been in, you know, there's around the other around just their teammates only since you know this is february if think if you think about the two teams in the super bowl they've been with their team since july when camp starts so july august september october november december january february is about <clears throat> seven months so it's like when they come for the off season it's like let's make this as fun as possible we're going to get some good work in we're going to compete we're going to have a good time the music's going to be going and we're going to get guys around other guys that they might not get a chance to to be around, right? So we're going to have, you know, we've had Leonard Fournette, DeAndre Swift, Kareem Hunt, Snoop Conner all working at the same time. These are all four different backs that play on four different teams, but they're working out together at the same time in the offseason. It's fun. You know, and these guys, you know, these guys are friends out outside of, you know, their respective teams. So just getting around other people. And like I said, I think competition is the number one factor to make anybody work hard you put somebody else beside you that's faster than you stronger than you, you're going to push yourself further than you would if you were by yourself because you don't want to be known as you know the last guy or the weakest guy so I think just creating an atmosphere is essential to getting guys actually to buy in it's like, okay I know on Fridays we're going to get after it. we're going to go hit some cleans and I don't want to be the one that didn't get you know, they didn't hit their target weight for the day. We're going to push it. I think just creating the atmosphere is what these guys, they love. This is what this is what they thrive in. Like, we're around some alpha males, you know, just being honest. So those guys thrive in situations where they can show how good they, how good they are compared to other people. And it's cool because you, you work with all these guys that have, like, hit the genetic lottery. Obviously, they work hard, but they're just that much better than everybody else at For what they do. 100%. And they're that much better Absolutely. at what they do than anybody else is what anybody does, you know? Absolutely. Right, right. But so you keep talking about atmosphere and environment. Like, mm-hmm. when you're creating, like, I obviously, like, if you're listening to this and you've been on on a team, 
maybe even like at a collegiate level. Like I know I, you said you played collegiate sports. Oh, uh, just for I, not really, okay. not not. <laughs> but like we've been on, we've been on teams. We've been in a weight room with teams. We've been in an Absolutely. environment. There's such a, a big. I don't know. There's something that's so different when you walk into the room when the music's loud and blaring and going and everyone's ready to hit a big lift versus Absolutely. like a 5 a.m. conditioning practice and it's the last thing you want to be. And then for most of these high-level athletes, you want to make both of those an exciting experience. Um, Absolutely. So how do you create that and how important is that specific part of your job um, to yeah. the success of these individuals in the weight room? Man, it's everything. You know, I'll, you know, we'll let guys say, hey, what you want to hear today? What we, what, what kind of tunes we going with? Or we'll vote. Or I'll even let guys come up with their own playlist and say, hey, all right, for the first 30 minutes, we're going to listen to Grant Delpit's playlist. Or for the next 30 minutes, we're going to listen to McCole Harvest's playlist or whoever. You know, I'll let guys get a chance to, because, I mean, the music doesn't really matter to me, of course. Like, I'll listen to whatever. Um, but just letting those guys, you know, seeing those guys in their environment and they're singing along with the music. It's like, all right, let's go. Let's turn it up. Let's have a good time. Um, that atmosphere is a game changer, right? Because like you said, sometimes guys work out at 7 a.m. We have our, our first off-season group starts at 7 um, when we start our off-season training. So it's 7 a.m. Some of these guys might not have had the best sleep. It's like, man, I really don't want to be here. I wish I could stay in the bed. The least I can do as a coach is have the music going, right? It's like, Let's wake up. Let's bring the energy. We're going to cheer each other on. We're going to create that, like I said, competitive atmosphere for each other. Um, and that just, like, you can see, like, a switch hit. And these guys are like, all right, now I'm locked in. Now I'm ready to go. You know, so I think, to me, atmosphere is it's pretty high on the list when it comes to importance when you're trying to, like I said, not only get guys to buy in, but just get guys wanting to come. Like I said, this, the off season or during season or in season, it's not easy. You know, guys are tired, guys are sluggish, your body's banged up. But like I said, the least I can do is give you some great music or create an atmosphere, some competition early in the, you know, we'll do some competition to start their workout just to get guys going and say, all right, now let's keep this energy the rest of the time we're here. Um, and you look up and the session's over and these guys have been competing with each other the whole time, right? And I'm a big guy on tracking stuff. I write everything down. And it's like, oh, his first set he did um, for doing like dumbbell incline or something random. Um, he did, you know, 90s. But, you know, I saw on on Anthony Walker's first set he did 100. Oh, so Leonard grabbed 100 too. You know, he didn't want to be outdone. So I think just like I said, creating that atmosphere between the players and they'll secretly compete with each other without saying it. Um, it's kind of fun to see that. Be like, hey, what, what weight did you have? Let me make sure I grab five pounds more. So just small stuff like that, man, just creating that atmosphere. Um, like I said, sometimes you poke the bear with a guy and like, hey, man, he did 120s and you're going to grab 100? So that's like, oh, I can do 120s too. I'm like, all right, let's see it. Now they're grabbing 120s that they wouldn't have grabbed at first, you know? So like I said, man, just creating that atmosphere is is huge. Um, I'm really big on environment and we're all a family, you know, we work with over 75 guys in the off season that we're literally all like a family. Like we cheer each other on. Um, we love to see each other win, you know, it's, and we congratulate each other when somebody gets a big contract or, you know, somebody scores a touchdown. We always congratulate them in a the group message or whatever. 
So we're literally genuinely like a family. We cheer each other on, and and it's fun to see. It's like I, I tell all these guys all the time, like, you're competing with your brother, man. Like, these guys are the guys that, you know, you do jersey swaps with, or we see guys do, you know, hanging out with in the offseason or, you know, taking pictures after the game with opposite teams, and these guys are guys that train together in the offseason. So it's been a it's, – it's, it's definitely fun, and like I said, I think creating that atmosphere is, is number one when it comes to – getting guys actually excited about the weight room. And I think that's a huge buy-in aspect too. Like that's one of the biggest things to like get people to be there. Absolutely. And then a lot of things too is like your exercise selection, making it like them seeing something transferable to um, what they're doing. Cause when I was an athlete, I was like, if I, if it doesn't pertain to my sport, then why am I doing it? Like when I did track and field, I think the most I ever did for javelin was a 60 meter dash, like right. I ran 60 meters the entirety of my event. And so right, if right. I ever had to run anymore, I just thought it was stupid. Absolutely. So when it comes to exercise selection, how do you do your um, picking and choosing? I, I understand that some people, like, it's good to be well-informed, right? But Absolutely. a lot of people get too um, into the politics of, like, exercise selection and whatnot. And then they start Absolutely. going after certain dudes. And right. I know I've seen... Right power cleans with Leonard Fournette all the time on your Instagram. And yeah, yeah. I can't think of what his name is. It's Chris Bernard, I think from overtime athletes. He put okay. out a video saying that he doesn't like the Olympic movements for right, strength right. development for athletes. And so when mm-hmm. you're working with these high level athletes, how do you choose like, Oh, like this guy might have this completely different idea, but I do believe that this power clean is going to be the best for this specific athlete. Yeah. So for me personally, like I said, the sport of football is all about who can produce the most force the longest, right? That's what. That's why the game is four quarters. It doesn't matter if you can can keep. I mean, any, everybody's fresh in the first quarter, but you know you still have three more quarters that you have to go through. So for me, the reason why I personally enjoy power clean is think about it like this, right? So if you think about the actual clean, right? I don't want to get too involved in the actual whatever dynamics of the actual Olympic exercise, but the clean, right? The pool, you're producing force. If you're using blocks or from the ground, you're producing that force, right? And you're actually catching the bar, which is actually you absorbing that force. And nine times out of 10, if that weight's heavy enough, it's going to pull you down, right? So the force is pulling you back down to the ground and you have to redirect that force back up into a front squat as you stand up. So think about football when you're making a block, like you're producing force, right? You have to absorb the force of another person's body, and then you have to redirect that force, whether that be you pancaking somebody or driving somebody five yards off the ball. It's all the same. Now, granted, um, you're not necessarily like pushing a sled or anything like that, but just the fast motion of, okay, I collided with the person. Now I have to direct them the opposite direction. Same way with the bar. This bar has directed the force of the bar has pulled me down. I have to direct that force somewhere else, which is driving the bar up into, like I said, a front squat if you stand up with the bar. Um, so I think just that fast action of what you're actually doing in a clean. And all of our guys, contrary to what my Instagram shows, don't power clean. You know, I know, I know we do this. We, we have our big clean Fridays every Friday in the offseason, but all of our guys do not do it. You know, we have quarterbacks we work with that do not do the catch. 
but we still need to develop some power. We'll just do clean pulls, right? Or we'll do trap bar jumps. So we don't, we like to have guys do what they're good at, right? And if you've been in the NFL for six years and you haven't cleaned since college, I'm not going to make you start. Like, right? Like, for what? You know what I mean? Like, we're not weightlifters, right? But we find ways to develop power in other areas. We do med ball throws, right? Like I said, we do trap bar jumps. We do clean pulls, right? It's more than one way to do that, obviously, right? But for me, I think, like I said, also creating that environment, these guys, we've had, you know, in the offseason last year, we had Jamar Chase clean 315 twice easily, right? And everybody was like, oh, snap, like this dude is really, really strong. Yeah, he is. Now, that has nothing to do with me. He did cleans at LSU all through college, right, with with Coach Moffitt. But for me, it's cool to see guys still not necessarily chasing numbers, but chasing that feeling that makes them like, okay, I know this works for me, right? I can see it translate to my game. You can see it when guys jump. You can see it when guys are, you know, you see guys driving other guys off the ball. Like, it translate to the sport to me as far as football so well we have to do some type of variation of the clean it may not have to catch it you don't have to do you know whatever but we have to do some type of power with a barbell right whether they be like i said clean pools high pools we've done you know um squat jumps whatever you want to call it like we do some type of power development and like i said for the guys that don't it's not like we're going to punt them. We're still going to get something done. We'll do trap bar jumps, right? We'll do the air squad on the Kaiser. We'll do med ball throws. Like, we find multiple ways to get the stimulus because that's really all what it's about. It's about the stimulus. It's about spiking that nervous system up really, really quick. And then, because that's what football is. You have to, you're going to run into another human at some point. We want to get your body prepared for that. You know what yeah, I mean? I um, that. That's kind of where. My mindset is with it. Um, you know, I've had, you know, it's, you know, the strength coach. You have people that's on the Olympic side, people that's not on the Olympic side. I'm not either one. You know, I've done both. Um, but for the guys that like to do it, I'm definitely not going to hold them back if they something they want to do. And I would assume, like, with this, like, you breaking down the clean into different movements so easily off the off the dome, like, that obviously shows that there is some level of simplicity in your in your training that works, right? So a lot of For sure, a yeah. lot of trainers have this paralysis by analysis. They overanalyze yeah. everything they do, and then their their clients or their athletes or whatever they're working with, they don't end mm-hmm. up bearing fruit that is beneficial in whatever situation they're in. So when right. you're planning, like, is it very like, I wouldn't say cookie cutter, but like, if you're a football player, this is what you need to do. If you're a sprinter, to be honest, this is what you do. Simple is effective. That's something I learned. You know, we're going to push something. We're going to pull. We're going to squat. We're going to hinge. We're going to do some type of power output exercise. And just so many different exercises you can do around that. You know what I mean? So you can do, if you think about uh, push, right, that could be a barbell. It could be a dumbbell. It could be literally something simple as push-ups, Right. We're going to push. We're going to pull something, whether that be deadlifts, dumbbell rows, uh, pull-ups, like simple stuff, right? A squat pattern, whether that be a barbell squat, 
trap bar deadlift, a, a pistol squat, or a single leg squat. Like, it doesn't matter. We're going to do some type of squat pattern. And you can progress it, of course, you know, either way. But we're going to hinge. We're going to do RDLs. We're going to do a kettlebell swing. We're going to do simple things, effective, and we hammer the basics um, really, really, really well, right? So I think just I've had to, you know, the, when I was a younger coach, you know, I was kind of in that mindset of, you know, let's throw this against the wall and see if it sticks. And the more I did my research and just learning by experience, simple is effective, right? I'm not trying to turn you into an Olympic weightlifter. You're a football player, right? So we're going to do things, like I said, that translate to the football field or translate to whatever sport it is you play, right? Simple is effective, and that's something that I learned. You know, sometimes you can get fancy and add overcoming resistance or overcoming isometrics or whatever you want to call it, but we keep things really, really simple, and we hammer the basics really, really hard. And I love that, especially because, like, you're, like, reinforcing these basics in these bigger-name dudes that have been in the league long enough. But I think it's cool. You also get the opportunity to work with combine prep athletes, which absolutely I always thought was something that'd be super cool. Like I see, like Jordan Shallow, he was the first person that I saw like say something about like combine prep for these athletes, like making sure their movement mm-hmm. is good. Like if you do this in whatever drill, you might be able to shave seconds off. Like, am right, I, what right. am I doing to help you shave seconds off your forty? Like, am mm-hmm. I helping you get your your bench number up so you can hit? 25 reps of 225 at the combine and i think right right that is such like an awesome because working with high school athletes is cool because you help them grow but the thing is now you're helping people achieve their dreams absolutely everyone wants to play in college but everyone wants to get to the league and that you have an opportunity to do that literally yeah what is it like working with those dudes with that hunger just to get into the league yeah man so combine training is so fun like, it really is. It's a grind. Don't get me wrong. It's about eight to ten weeks, six days a week of grinding, right? Like, we know, and we all, like we all know the 40 is what people want to see, right? We know, you know, guys want to see how fast can this person run or how high can this person jump? You know, how many reps is this person going to do? So, the good thing is we always say we know the answers to the test, we just have to give it to you, right? We have to get you to understand and be confident that the eight to 10 weeks, this small window of your football journey is the most important eight to 10 weeks of training you're going to ever do, right? Because you're training for an actual, if you think about it, the combine is basically a track meet, honestly, right? Um, You're not in pants. You're not hitting anybody. You're running as fast as you can. You're jumping as high and as far as you can, and you're lifting weights, you know, repetitive, you know, 225 tests. And they want to see, obviously, the eye test. How do you look compared to other people? But it's all testing. It's all based on tests, right? So I don't think the combine, personally, as a performance coach, is the end-all, be-all. But when you're talking to these scouts and GMs and coaches, okay, I want to see how fast this guy is compared to, 15 other running backs in his class or how high can this receiver jump or how high can this DB jump or who can, who has the nicest back pedal, you know, whatever. Um, but combine training is literally to me, one of the, my most enjoyable times of the year, because, you know, you see guys come in and they're locked in, they're laser focused. 
you know, we have a date that look, hey, at the end of February, every year this event comes around called the NFL Combine that all everybody wants to get invited to, and it literally is going to change your life, right? Like you lock in for these eight to ten weeks, depending on if guys have bowl games or not, and you can literally change not only your life but the people around you's life, you know, if you go out there and do a good job, right? So it's a huge job interview. And also on the flip side of that, it's a lot of stress that comes with it, not only for you know, myself and other coaches I work with, but for the athletes, like it's a lot of pressure on these guys. Like, especially if you're a guy that, 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 um, scouts or whatever, think you're fast, they want to see it. You know what I mean? So they want to see, okay, how fast is this kid really? And, you know, you have 40 stopwatches at the finish line waiting on you to cross, you know, so it's pressure when it comes to that. So, you know, a big thing that we focus on, um, we like to keep guys' stress level to a minimum, right? Because it's a it's a tough process. You know, guys are are you know going through. You know, they're looking at the mock drafts and they're hearing their names being. You know, oh, this person can go from a third round to a second round, but they got to run fast. That's a lot of pressure on a twenty one year old kid, right? So our job is to. We're going to train you, of course, and try to have you as, as best prepared for this, this combine as possible. But we also want to keep your stress levels down because we know how this process can be. You know, this is actually my fifth combine class I've been a part of. I um, mean, I've seen guys do it right, and I've seen guys do it wrong. You know what I mean? So just having that laser focus mentality and knowing that, you know, this is the opportunity that I've worked my whole life for, you know, it's here, right? So I need to make sure I'm prepared as best as possible to go out there and put on the show. Mm-hmm. And I think that's super cool that you get the opportunity to work with those guys. And is it ever like a they're coming to you and it's a situation where you're like, I say jump and you say how high and you go do what I want to do. Is that the mentality that they have? Or is it just like they just come and ready to grind? And they know that you kind of have the, the the secret to how to get there. A little bit of both. You know, a little bit of both. These guys are, you know, they've just finished their collegiate career, right? So now it's kind of like that area where I think I'm good enough to be a pro, but am I really? You know what I mean? So they and the, and the good thing about the way our structure is here, like our offseason guys are coming in now when combine is still going on. So they get a chance to, to talk to those guys and say, Hey, I was just in your position three years ago, or this was how my experience was at the combine. So they're not just hearing it from the coaches. They're hearing it from people that just did it two, three years ago, even some guys last year. Right. So it's good for them to actually get around guys that have done it before. And like, okay, Hey, what was your experience like? Or, Hey, what was the thing that, you remember the most from the combine that you didn't like, or, Hey, what should I do when I go into these interviews? Because it's more than just performing on the field. Like people don't know, like these guys are in interviews all day, all night. They're getting asked the same question. You know, you may meet with 20 teams that ask you the same question. You know what I mean? So being able to, you know, work on interview prep, you know, it's more than just how fast can you run? How high can you jump? They want to see who you are as a person. They're going to ask you, uncomfortable questions they're going to ask you to get on the board and draw your favorite play they're going to ask you you know tell me a time where you felt like 
football wasn't for me. They're going to ask you those uncomfortable questions, and you have to be able to sit there and answer, right? You have to be able to be a professional, right? And you have to be able to be honest and open and transparent because they already know the answer. You're like, these scouts, I tell these guys all the time, these scouts have done so much homework on you, they know who your first-grade teacher was when you were in the first grade. They know, you know, what your favorite meal is, or they know, you know, what time you go to bed. Like, they know so much about you already that they just want to ask you. They just want to see if you're going to be honest. They're going to see if you're able to be transparent and vulnerable. So, like I said, our guy, our, our job is not only just to prepare you for the on-field stuff, but just, you know, being able to, you know, when you step off that plane – or when you go to the airport, let me take it back. When you're going to the airport, your interview has already started. You may be sitting next to a scout or a GM, and you might not even know it. He might just sit next to you and say, hey, man, how you doing? And you might brush him off. That could be a scout of the New England Patriots that you just brushed off and you have no clue, right? So we just have these guys prepared for the knowing and unknowing of what you're going to get into when you have your combine and your pro days. Do you think there's a bit of mentality switch when it comes to athletes that come in with a kind of a knowing that they're going to be drafting the league if they do X, Y, and Z, mm -hmm. and then the people that come into your combine prep being like, if I don't get this, I may never play football again, and I yep. am going to essentially have wasted the last 17, 18 years that I gave to this. Absolutely. Do you think there's a, a mentality switch, or do they work the same? In terms of effort. to be honest, I I haven't really seen that because I think all these guys know, you know, just as fast as it can be here, it can be taken away, right? So I've worked from I worked with first round picks, I've worked with undrafted free agents, I've worked with everybody in between. Um, I personally haven't seen that big of a difference because we're all chasing the same thing. Like whether you get drafted or you're an undrafted free agent. Once you walk in the door, nobody cares. You're all trying to be a part of this roster, right? Now, of course, the first-round guys may get treated a little better, quote-unquote, than the undrafted guys. But at the end of the day, when we're on the field and it's 11-on-11, 11 11, nobody cares if this right tackle was the number one overall pick or he was Mr. Irrelevant. He's got to play. And I think somebody like a situation like, for example, like with Brock Purdy, what he did, you know, this year, he was the last pick in the draft and started in a in a NFC playoff game. Like that's unheard of, right? So I think guys just have to have that that mindset of you never know when your number's gonna get called, but I have to I have to work like I'm the I'm working like I'm gonna be the first round pick. I'm gonna work like I'm gonna work like I'm an undrafted pick, right? Because I you never know what's gonna happen, right? You have those guys that you know are for sure gonna get drafted. But at the end of the day, like I said, once you get in the building Nobody cares, you know. You, you, everybody's chasing a fifty, a spot on this fifty-three man roster, and nine times out of ten, you're gonna have. If you look at the NFL, there's some free agents on the team. That, I mean, there's some undrafted guys on rosters, right? Like they, they make it. You know, their their journey may be a little tougher, and I think guys understand that, you know. But at the end of the day, they're all chasing the same thing, which is, I'm working to get on this roster. I think. One of the best quotes I ever heard when I, I got a chance to hear Ray Lewis speak, right? And he said, I always worked harder than the guy in front of me and behind me, you know, because the guy in front of me, I'm trying to get to where he is, but I also know the guy behind me is trying to catch me. 
So I have to work harder than both of those guys. And I think that's just kind of the, I, I think we, I've been blessed to work with athletes that, you know, don't care about this stuff. They just want to work, you know. So I've seen, like I said, first round picks and undrafted free agents, you know, work the same way. So I've been blessed where I don't really see that discrepancy in work ethic um, from what I've been in the last five years as, as, as far as doing combine training. And I think that there's obviously a testament to that statement by Ray Lewis because obviously it worked because he's, he's a, he was a dog when he played. Right, right. he was an animal Absolutely. when he did. And so I think that that's – I mean, there's transfer to that for everything else, but that's Absolutely. a conversation for everything, right? Right, absolutely. When it comes to – so say you have a combine dude that didn't make it mm-hmm. and he just kind of fizzles out because he, did, he went undrafted and didn't even make it to the league or you have right, a right. pro guy that you've been working with and he has a bad season and maybe gets put on practice mm-hmm. squad and then loses his contract, right. stuff like that. How right. do you take that yourself? Do you take that personally or do you just have to kind of like, you know, 1% of the things I do in my life is going to be a mistake or however many percentage it is, you got to brush that off. Yeah, That's a great question, man. To be honest, I, I don't take it personally, but I feel responsible for that at some point. Right. And I tell you guys all the time, like, I'm not a position coach. I cannot teach you how to run a hitch. I can't teach you how many steps it's going to take to get to that point. I can't. That's not my lane, right? And I know my lane. Um, But I also feel responsible for, you know, you always go back and think, did I do enough? Or did I make sure I put them in the best situation possible for success, right? So were they strong enough? Were they in shape enough? Were they durable enough that they, you know, whatever the case may be, right? So I do feel a responsibility to every athlete that I've ever come across, whether that be somebody I worked with with one offseason or somebody I've worked with for five or six offseason. I feel a responsibility to them, right, to help them and, like I said, to be of service to them and help them play as long as they want to play, right? Um, so I've been in that situation before where it's just like, man, I want to make sure I'm doing everything I can. And a lot of times as coaches, we we have those thoughts like, man, if we would have did one more sprint or if I had had another week in the weight room with them, things could have been no different, right? But the reality of the situation is, like I said, man, the NFL is a business and it's always going to be somebody younger, stronger, faster, more durable than you. But how can we keep your career going as long as we as long as you want to go, I'll train you as long as you're playing, right? If you say, hey, I want to play for 20 years, okay, we got to play for 20 years, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to give you whatever you – I'm going to give – my job is to help you get as much from this game as possible, right? So I'm going to give you whatever I've got to help you get to that point where you say, okay, I'm satisfied. I did all I can do. It's time for me to part ways from the game, you know? Um, so – I feel responsible for every athlete that I've ever worked with, man, to be honest, because they trusted me, right? So they they trusted me to help them out. And, you know, anytime, you know, the nature of the business, sometimes guys, guys do fall short. Um, and that's just life. That's life. That's the game of football. Like NFL, you know, quote unquote, stands for not for long, right? So, you know, my job is to help these guys as much as possible, man. So I definitely feel the responsibility to every every one of these athletes. On to kind of like a different question within the football realm. I I know with 
um, training high school athletes and training collegiate athletes, mm-hmm. oftentimes, say you're doing off-season work, you're really right. worried about stepping on the toes of the coach and what they're doing or of the strength Absolutely. and conditioning coach and what they're doing. And I assume most NFL teams, if not all of them, have their own strength and conditioning coach. Like Chiefs got their coach, Correct. Colts got their coach, whatever. Right, so right. do you stay in communication with the strength and conditioning coaches for those teams? Or do you kind of just go Absolutely. on your own script and say, hey, this is what I think is right for right now versus what's in season? Absolutely. I try to, to, to reach out to as many coaches on the professional level as I can because, for one, you know, I'm only with these guys a couple months out the year. They're going to be with you way longer than they're with me, right? So, you know, sometimes even guys will come in and we'll say, hey, uh, like some of the guys, the NFL strength coaches do a great job. They'll create an off-season manual for their guys. And I'll get a chance to look at it and say, okay, hey, we can implement this. Or, hey, we, I don't know if we should do this much or whatever. And we get a chance to see what they, what they want them to do for the summer or off-season or what they're doing in-season. You know, I've, I've seen a couple of different manuals from different teams um, I've spoken. I have a, one of my uh, great friends, Josh Woods, is a strength coach for the Miami Dolphins. Um, we talk, you know, pretty often about what they're doing in season, what their off-season program is going to be like. I've talked to strength coaches from the Vikings, from the Jaguars. Just, you know, we have guys spread out all across the NFL, but you know, we get a chance to see like what these guys are doing. And not only, I don't think it's more so stepping on each other's toes. I think it's more of a collaborative. Thing like, hey, what can I do to help you guys out, or how can I be of service to you? Like, you know, if you want this guy to come back at two twenty, and they come to me at two twenty five, perfect. Now I know what you're looking for. I know what's going to help him out. So I think just having that collaborative piece, and it goes the same way for high school coaches. It, it's not that easy in high school and college, right? Because you know these guys are kind of. You know, they're still they I mean, obviously with the NFL, you also are on that team, too. But high school and college is a little trickier. Um, but I've definitely approached colleges before. Um, I had a guy. I had a lot of guys I was working with at Ole Miss. So I got really, really cool with their staff a couple of years ago. Just asking them, like, hey, man, what are you guys doing? Kind of like, where's your program? You know, as far as like right now. So if these guys get spring break or they get two weeks off in the summer to come to me, I don't want to have them doing anything that you guys weren't already doing, or I don't want to have them doing something completely out the way of what you guys have done before. And I think when it comes to the high school level, it's all about just the open communication, right? Because I have been a high school strength coach before in the past, you know, and I was telling guys like, look, Hey, if you're going to go do something offsite or with another coach, I'm cool with that by all means, as long as it's not affecting you when you're back here. Right. So I don't want you to go say, Hey, I worked out with my coach last night. We did three sets of five on deadlifts or trap where I can't feel my legs. Now it's affecting us when we're doing our sprinting or lifting the day. I'm cool with it. You know what I mean? Um, so I think just having an open communication, I wish strength coaches were more open to collaboration versus, or me trying to take your guy, you know how that Mm -hmm. stuff goes sometimes. Um, I think if we collaborated more with each other, we could see our athletes, you know, numbers or, you know, seasons or injury history, everything would be better, you know, because like I said, I'm not with these guys year round. I'm only with them for the off season. They're with their, you know, team coaches more than they're with me technically. Right. So, Hey man, what can I do to help 
make sure this guy's the best in shape or, you know, he's stronger than he was when he left. So when I send guys back to their teams, it's like, hey, okay, whatever you did this offseason works. You're, look, you're looking better. You're in better shape. You're better conditioned. Okay, cool. Now we can collaborate and move forward for the next offseason or, you know, in season. They know how to program, you know, their guys' lifts or whatever the case may be. So I think collaboration is, is going to be – I think it's the game changer when it comes to the industry because, you know, it's so much – you know, nobody knows everything, right? And nobody is the the guru when it comes to this training. But you put two heads together that can collaborate probably better than one. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I think also ego is a big thing, right? A lot of guys have ego. You know, we're in a male-dominated industry, you know, when it comes to training and conditioning. So a lot of egos involved and stuff like that. Um, but I'm one of those guys that say, look, what can I do to help you? How can I be of service to you? How can I make this athlete better so when they return to you they're like a whole different person right so i think those two things have, have have been a big factor when it comes to you know where i am i like to see you guys off-season program it may be something that i've never done before that i want to inc- incorporate in our stuff right so i think just being able to have that conversation is huge and so like while on the conversation of like working with different coaches um, mm-hmm. that's going to be something a lot of people run into when they're working with, um, say high school athletes or college athletes, or even when you're right. going through this and climbing the ladder is a huge thing. And kind of everybody has to do it. Like you didn't come out of college and start training NFL athletes. It's just not how it works. Mm-hmm. And so for right. people that have to climb this ladder, they go, have to go from working with this random corn fed two-star recruit <laughs> that is going to yeah. go to JUCO and with dreams of making it to the NFL and fizzles out and then goes and farms with his parents for the rest of his life mm-hmm. versus these people like that you've been working with at such a high level for such a long period of time, like climbing this ladder, how do you do that? I guess this question's kind of derailed itself, but how do you okay. climb that ladder and like keep the the faith and the focus in that direction to still have this sort of like excitement for training people when you have to deal with all this garbage and all this lack of success per se. Yeah, man. So I'll go back. So for me, I did not just wake up one morning and start training for athletes. Like I said, I've been a high school strength conditioning coach. I worked in the private sector before. um, And I was working with, like you said, you know, random high school athletes that, you know, their parents, you know, just wanted to see these guys. I wanted to see my kid on the field, right? Mm-hmm. We're, weren't even thinking about college. I want my son to get better. Maybe he'll start next year or whatever, right? So um, I think for me, personally, I networked so much. And the word network gets thrown around pretty loosely. But I can really go back and say, man, I used to DM so many coaches Back in like two, like when I was first starting out, 2016, 17, 18, I would just DM random coaches on Instagram, on Twitter, and just say, hey, I would just ask a question, like whatever the question may be, whatever it is that I want to learn. And that would just start a conversation, right? So over time, I had built, you know, friendships and relationships with these guys that I had never met in person, right? But we had a relationship through social media, which is like, to me, one of the most powerful tools out there if you use it the right way because you can meet people 
that you'll never get. Like I've met people from Germany and China and France that I may never meet in person, but just through a direct message, we've created a relationship. We've talked, we can talk training, we can talk life. And it's like, I would have never, I may have never met this person ever, but, but just sending a direct message. Hey coach, love the things you do. You know, what made you start? How'd you get your start in a profession? Just starting a conversation. And it's like, I've met so many coaches like that. Um, but I think for me, it was always just, I knew who I wanted to work with. I knew what lane I wanted to be in, you know, so I had to definitely do the work, you know, and get the certifications and experience and knowledge and go to these clinics and meet people and put myself out there. And like you said, put my work out there. Like I used to post Instagram stories of me training, you know, when I was training, you know, random high school kids at times, and I would just post it for people to see, right? I never, because people say, you never know who's going to see something one day, you know, right? So I was just posting and networking with people and, you know, just continuing to build bridges over time. And, you know, it, it worked out tremendously. Um, my partner right now, Mo Wells, is, is one of the guys that I first, you know, met with, and we've been together for the last four years. Um, and he was one of the first guys that actually introduced me to some of the athletes that we work with now. Um, but I think my first, it first clicked that I'm like, okay, hey, I'm working with some really, really high level athletes. Guys was was our, our combine class at, at IMG Academy in 2000, technically 2020. Um, we had a we had a class that was our class with Grant Delpit, DeAndre Swift, KJ Osborne. Cam Dantzler, we had Patrick Queen, we had Christian Fulton, we had a all-star class, I'll be honest with you. Um, and I'm like, okay, I can see myself doing this long-term, right? But I still had to always continue to never let myself get complacent or never let myself feel like, quote-unquote, like I've arrived. Because like I said, it's always somebody behind you that's trying to take your spot or trying to get to where you are, Right. So just allowing myself to continue to, you know, do the continuing education or listening to podcasts or watching, you know, guys talk, you know, while I go back and watch some of the Summer Strong clinics sometimes just to see these guys talk or see these coaches that I've looked up to for a while or DM'd four or five years ago, I still want to, I call it keeping my sword sharp, right? So always trying to learn and always continuing to, educate myself and 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 keep myself sharp for these athletes i love that and i think that's such a special thing that you do that and like you had that journey because you you know where you started and you know where you're at absolutely right right wrapping up the podcast i want to ask like for these people that are joining like obviously we've talked about like putting yourself out there reaching out to coaches um and just doing the things that are necessary to do like training your craft but if there's like one thing that you thought helped your journey as a strength and conditioning coach the most, like mm-hmm. this was the most important thing. If I didn't do this, I don't know where I'd be today. What would that be? Well, that's a great question. Um, I got to give you two. I got to give you two. Fine. The more information, the better. First one was going back to what I just said, man. I, if I could, I, one day I'm going to, find all those DMs from 2016, 17, 18, when I was just the young coach trying to figure out, is this something I really want to do, right? 
I reached out to I know for sure over 200 coaches, whether you were a high school, college, professional, private sector. To me, it didn't matter. If I literally, funny story, I literally used to go on Twitter, right, and hashtag strength and conditioning or strength training or performance training or weight training. And I would just go follow. So many coaches follow, 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 follow. And I would look at their media and see what they were doing. Okay, hey, coach, um, if I saw somebody doing, like, flying 20s, right? Hey, coach, why do you do flying 20s versus, you know, whatever? Just starting that conversation. It's like, okay, cool. I'm learning from you. But I'm also getting to know you, right? I'm, I'm checking and seeing, okay, I know every every. First of the month, Paul Jackson is gonna co- is gonna post the book of the month, right? So I'm like, hey, I'm gonna get ahead of that on the 31st. Hey, coach, do you know what book you're gonna read this month? Just small stuff like starting conversations, right? I would say that would be the first one, just networking and putting myself out there. And the second one, I actually hate that I'm gonna say this, but I also have to be 100% transparent: is getting certifications as many as I needed because. Um, Long story, when I first applied to IMG, I didn't get hired because I wasn't certified at the time, right? And Jason Novak, who's the head strength coach at Michigan State football, he was the department. He was over the whole strength and conditioning department at IMG. And he was like, look, Jordan, we love what you do. Your resume is great. We want to hire you. But we cannot have you working with these athletes if you're not certified, right? And he told me, he gave me that, he said, think about it like this. He said, would you let a doctor practice on you that doesn't have their MD? And I thought about it, I'm like, no, I wouldn't. He said, that's the type of um, seriousness we want to have when it comes to coaches being certified when it comes to our athletes. Now, I will say this, and this is a huge disclaimer, I definitely do not think certifications are the end-all, be-all by any means necessary, it's not. Because I know some tremendous coaches that are not certified that can coach a two-year-old. But I also know some coaches that have 20 different certifications that cannot coach at all, right? It's not the end-all, be-all. However, it gets your foot in the door, right? It's a it's a prerequisite to for me personally, or it was for me to get me where I wanted to go. You know, I I felt like, for me, the more, I guess you could say, the more that I can, the more value I have attached to my name and what I do, it the harder it is for somebody to tell me no, right? So I've always been the type of person that, you know, I'm going to try to make sure that I cross or check every box that I need. So if I'm looking for a job, if somebody wants to hire me, it's no reason why they cannot say absolutely we want this guy right so like i said i hate i have to say that but for me and my journey that was a big thing that also pushed my career forward was getting you know certified or getting my cscs because i've been on the other side of that where i somebody wants to hire me and they can't because i don't have it right so i think just you know educating yourself at a young age shooting your professional shot because you never know you know i've had plenty of coaches that did not write me back which is fine like i get it these guys are busy it is what it is but for the ones that did i made sure i created the conversation in a professional way 
I made sure I asked them questions that, hey, coach, what made you want to coach? And I, some, sometimes that is a good conversation starter, but it's like also I want to get guys talking and get guys thinking. Or, hey, I remember one time I DM'd the coach. I'm not going to say his name. Um, I'm like, hey, coach, what do you look for in an intern? Or what do you look for in a – what does a great assistant coach look like to you? And I was hearing he was he he wrote me back, he named things, and I'm like, okay, next time I apply somewhere, I want to make sure I have this, or I want to make sure this is the quality that I have, right? And I was probably was never going to work at that place, honestly, but it was like, okay, I know this is what coaches may be may look for when they're hiring, right? So let me make sure I have this quality, let me make sure I'm doing this X Y Z. So now I'm bettering myself without them even knowing you know does that make sense no, that makes so sense. those would be the two things that i would say for sure helped me catapult my career forward in the right direction awesome man dude i love that i appreciate it. i appreciate the insight and then obviously your knowledge working with these athletes that are just at such a high level and transcended over a lot of these people that work with athletes you know for sure and i appreciate you yeah, dude. thank you so much for hopping on the podcast it's been a great time i've loved it, every second of it Absolutely, man. I appreciate you having me on, man. Love what you do, man. Continue to, you know, set the bar high when it comes to these podcasts. And let's get on another time and chop it up yeah, again, man. I appreciate it. I'm all about that, man. Hey, I appreciate it. Of course, man. Have a good you night, too. brother. This has been the Pre-Professional Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time.